Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to make yourself, you guessed it, happier. This week we'll talk about why you should consider having a power down weekend and we'll talk to the brilliant Liz Dolan about happiness in the workplace. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, I would say that these days, with the pilot going on, your workplace is both a place of happiness and maybe not so happiness. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yes, Gretch, I um, have had a lot of stress in the workplace lately, but <laughs> we're getting through it. But yes. meanwhile, you have something very exciting happening in your workplace. I want to hear about it. Yes, um, indeed. I am doing something that I've never done before. I'm doing a like a video online learning class, and it's about the four tendencies, which, of course, I'm obsessed with. And the enrollment window opens Monday, April 30th, 2018. And the reason I decided to do this video course for the four tendencies is that ever since I start, I first started talking about it when Better Than Before it came out. And then I wrote the book, The Four Tendencies. We talk about it here on the podcast all the time. People keep asking me for more and more and more information. And um, so I thought, well, I'll do a video course where I can give information in a different way. People like to take information in differently. So um, this is a course that has five weeks of instruction, 12 video lessons, reflection questions and exercises. I'm going to do these Ask Gretchen Anything calls. There's an online community. There's bonus materials. There's all this stuff for people who want to really go deeper into the four tendencies. So if you want to know more about it, go to courses.gretchenrubin.com and that's the wait list. And then once you're on the wait list, you'll find out when there's this early bird discount if you want to get it for a little bit less. And the actual registration for the course opens on April 30th for a limited time. This is something that kind of opens and closes. So, but all this, all this information will be sent by email. So if you add yourself to the wait list, you'll, you'll get all the information. So it's courses.gretchenrubin.com. I've been working really hard on this. I think it's going to be pretty cool. So I hope a lot that of people... That is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to do something totally new too. It's a whole yes. different way of communicating information. So it's been really fun and very creative to think about how to talk about this in an interesting way that'll really resonate with people. That is cool. So Elizabeth, this week, our try this at home tip is to have a power down weekend. It's an idea that came from one of our listeners, Cheryl. Yes, Cheryl said, hearing you talk about a power hour in episode six or power day in episode 122 made me realize that every weekend for me is a power day. As an upholder, I make ambitious lists of what I want to accomplish every weekend. Then I go, go, go to do them. This actually makes me very happy, but I am always going. It comes at a cost. I am episodes behind on the popular shows I enjoy, and I have several books waiting to be read. So this past weekend, I decided to do a power down weekend. Before I could do anything on my list, I made myself sit down and read or watch a DVR episode or meditate. I scheduled a pedicure and a massage. I am planning to try to keep this up. Well, this is hilarious to me and because uh, Cheryl's an upholder. I'm an upholder. This is something that upholders do, and this is what keeps them often from burning out. It's like they will schedule time to play. They will make time mm. to goof off. But you have to make sure that it goes on the list. It's like everything else. So I think this is brilliant for Cheryl because it's like she realizes all the tasks were going on the to-do list and getting done. And so she made sure that she created a place like a power-down weekend 
where all those other things would get done too because she didn't want them to get crowded out of her life. So I think this is this is I just even love the phrase power down weekend. I mean, that sounds so oh, exciting. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it and I mean, I totally relate to this cuz like I feel a lot of pressure to make social activities on the weekend, like, you know, seeing other <gasps> yeah. families and doing, you know, yep. activities with Jack and all of that. And it's really nice to give yourself permission to power down and sort of do nothing or just do, you know, like passive things like catch up, like she said, on episodes of television you want to watch, read a book. Like recently, we had a little break in our pilot schedule and Sarah and I both went away and mm. I went with Jack and Adam to Palm Springs. And I said to myself, while we're in Palm Springs, I am going to do nothing except relax mm. i took like a couple of books that i'd really been wanting to read just really fun books and i'm like i am just gonna lay in the hotel bed and read i'm not <laughs> even gonna feel like i have to get to the pool by 10 a.m you know what i mean like i'm not gonna feel like we have to go to dinner in town i mean we yeah. can just hang out at this resort and do nothing but relax and by telling myself that beforehand it helped me relax. Although because I'm so stressed about the pilot, my relaxation still wasn't complete, but it was more, I was way more relaxed than I would have been had I not sort of set myself up for exactly what Cheryl's talking about, powering down. Yeah. I mean, it's really helpful. I think, you know, to give it a label, you're able to put it on the calendar, to plan for it, to look forward to it, and then really feel like this is what I'm expecting of myself. Like, I, I am going to power down. And But I think it's great that you had a very specific set of, like, what what are you going to do and what are you not going to do so that you didn't get pulled into, like, well, the relaxing thing to do is to go to the pool when actually that's not what you really felt like doing at that moment. But let me ask you this, because this is something that comes up a lot when people are trying to power down. How did you handle your email? Did you say, like, I'm only going to check the email in the morning or the night? Or, did you, or did, what, what? how did you handle email? I think that's a big issue for people powering down. You know, I am not someone who ever does the I'm disconnecting um, from my phone thing. Yeah. Um, it, did, it doesn't even cross my mind, to be honest. So uh, I didn't do the I'm not checking my email thing. Right. What I will say I did, um, not consciously, but sort of I just ended up doing this, is a lot of times there's email chains, you know, that like you could or could not respond to. Yeah. Because there's like 10 people responding. <laughs> And I just chose not to respond to a lot of those chains. Uh -huh. Like, so you, you know, I like I could have chimed in, but really I didn't need to. So I just said, you know what? This has been covered. Let me just be an observer of this email chain as opposed to a participant. So you just sort of made yourself sit back a little bit more. Um, I monitored it, but I didn't get myself involved. I mean, I would have if I needed to. There just wasn't any, you know, if I needed to, I chimed in. But I just sort of just let myself not feel like I was dealing with a bunch of stuff. Right. Well, and I think this is why, you know, we've talked many times about like the language around something. Like when we were talking about the phone date, you said like the fact that you call it a phone date makes it seem more important than like, oh, I'm just going to call my family at 530 mm -hmm. or something like that. It kind of gives it this role or the status that seems like it's more worthy of being respected or um, or like uh, kept in place. And I think here saying it's a power down weekend gives it a status where like this is power down weekend. I can't possibly do X, Y or Z because this is power down weekend. Right. So I think it is helpful to set it aside like that. And, you know, one of my secrets of adulthood is and, and Cheryl absolutely brings this up, is that if I want to keep going, I have mm. to allow myself to stop. 
And I think sometimes, even especially maybe when you're tired or overwhelmed, you just feel like if I just power through and just force myself to grit my teeth and go, that's somehow better. But a lot of times it's not. And you just end up burning out or, or, or wasting your energy or losing your temper or something like that. And so if you do want to keep going, sometimes allowing yourself to stop, to power down is really the best thing that you can do overall. You know, like you gave yeah. yourself in this season of stress, you gave yourself mm-hmm. a respite and that probably really recharged your batteries because you're 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 not even halfway through this this journey. Um, yeah. And so you need to take those times to stop. Yeah. And can I say something, Gretchen, that this power down weekend idea to me feels like a subcategory of a staycation. Yes. You know how people will say <laughs> I'm having a staycation when all that really means is they're not leaving town. Yes. Um, they're going to be in their house as they always are, but like now it's a staycation and that makes it fun. Well, power down weekend is like a little, you know, it's not, doesn't rise to the level of staycation, but it, it's, it's like a subset of that. So, I mean, I love a staycation more than anything in the world. <laughs> I know. You know, you could even have a power down afternoon, by the way. Yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 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 Um, you know, and another one of my secrets of adulthood is that the the opposite of a profound truth is also true. And I think this is a great reminder that just like power hour is super helpful. And we've heard from so many people who love power hour and love power day. But you also need the opposite of power hour and power day mm-hmm. and power down weekend or power down afternoon um, might be just the thing that you need. Yeah. So thanks, Cheryl. I love this. This is a try this at home that I will definitely be implementing. This is right up my alley. Now I have words for it. Exactly. So let us know if you do try this at home and how having a power down weekend works for you. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. This is 165. So you can go to happiercast.com slash 165 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, a happiness hack that has us powering down right onto the floor. But first, this break. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. So, Elizabeth, this happiness hack comes from our listener, Justine. She says, my, my, <clears throat> she says, my tip is to get on the floor. This flexibility strategy was first shared with me by my high school rowing coach. Flexibility is important to the sport of crew where it influences power, length, and balance during each stroke. 
She insisted we only were allowed to watch TV if we sat on the floor, which lets you stretch and practice better posture. 20 years later, I am now a nurse and make the same recommendation to patients and friends, especially those who practice Pilates. Maybe during the next strategy conference call for the fix, you could even take the call from your yoga mat. (laughs) I love this. Yes, this is a great idea. Gretch, ever since Justine emailed this, I've actually been trying to implement it, and I've been spending a lot more time on the floor. And and what result do you see? Do you see a difference? What are you doing on the floor? I think it's too soon to tell if it's making a difference, but like I am like usually like when I put on my shoes, I'll like sit down on the bed and put on my shoes. And I've been making a point to sit down on the floor and put on my shoes. Or if, if, as she mentioned, I like her mentioning the fix, the pilot, I'm doing, <laughs> of course, if there's like a call and we have a lot of people, I might take a spot on the floor um, and try to do a little of what she said, like stretching while there. Um, and one thing that people talk about is that being able to sit down on the floor and get up off the floor is like a big thing as you age, you want to be able to keep that going. So even just the motion of getting up and down feels like I'm doing something positive. Yeah. Well, I know mom was saying that when she, her physical trainer had an exercise where she had mom get down on her hands and knees and then stand up 10 times in a row. Um, for strength training and also just like, it's important to be able to get up off the floor. Like if you fall or or something like that, you need to be able to get yourself up and you're right. Um, it's one of these things where, um, uh, it's, it's, it's really important. And the more you get down on the floor and then I think she's right. There's something about if you're just down on the floor, then you just kind of automatically start stretching or, you know, Mm -hmm. I do those ones where you crisscross your legs to me, that feels really good when you sort of twist to one side or the other. Mm. But if you're not on the floor, it's not even going to occur to you. But if you're on the floor, then that's when you think, okay, well, maybe I'll do it. And, um, but, and I think if you're watching TV or something, it's not slumping over and sitting in that, that crunchy cross-legged posture. Or lying on the yeah. floor. It's like sitting up straight. Yeah. It's now, good I have for you. to say, I have not gotten to the level of wanting to watch TV sitting on the floor, but um, that that's next level. <laughs> well, thank you, Justine. This is a fun one that I'm going to try now, too. Get down on the floor. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for our interview with Liz Dolan. Today, Yay. we're... Yes, today we're very excited to have the chance to talk to Liz. She's joining us from her home office in Santa Monica with her new rescue dog, Hooper. (laughs) Liz has had a series of extraordinary jobs. She was chief marketing officer for Nike and for OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network, Fox Sports, and National Geographic Channel. She's in frequent demand as a speaker on the subject of global brands, marketing, and workplace career issues. And Liz is also one of the legendary Five Satellite Sisters, the five sisters who had a long-running, award-winning radio talk show, which has now turned into, of course, a podcast. Liz now also co-hosts Safe for Work, a terrific, thought-provoking workplace advice podcast where she talks about how to be more productive, more efficient, happier in the workplace. Now, one of the fun things, Elizabeth, I know you agree, about having a podcast, one of the things we've enjoyed the most is getting to know other podcasters, and we have had so much fun getting to know Liz. Yes, especially, I've been a fan of Liz for years, Gretchen. I am a Satellite Sisters devotee. Yes, way back. So fun to get to know them. 
Welcome, Liz. Welcome. Thank you so much. What could be better than talking to the sisters? <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm happier. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, Liz, you've had some amazing work opportunities and challenges, and you've done so much thinking about issues related to the workplace. Tell us about your podcast, Safe for Work. So Safe for Work, the idea behind our new show is that we want to address the EQ issues around being happy at work instead of the IQ stuff, you know, because mm. I believe a lot of it has to do with just the people skills and can't mm. we all just get along? <laughs> so, you know, I think our insights and a lot of the questions we got, we get are from people that are like, my God, my boss is a bully or mm. how do I do a better job at this or that? So we're really trying to talk about the people issues, which I think is what makes us different from a lot of shows about work. Well, and, you know, what do you think is the most important thing? If you're if a person's going to be happy at work, what do you think are the top things to think about? Yeah, the well, I have sort of a philosophy of how you should try to be at work. Mm. This is mm. I have a workplace mantra I call strong, calm and kind. Mm. And mm. that I think most people it's like, think about strong. You want, you want to be able to really represent your point of view at work. You don't mm -hmm. want to be a doormat. You want to be able to say what you really think. So you need to be strong. Mm. Um, but you also want to be calm. You want to not let people get under your skin. Like if you have a, a boss who's a bully or a coworker who's just like constantly dumping work on you, you have to mm. kind of deal with that, you know, yeah. in a calm way. And I think being kind is super important at work and underrated, which means having some empathy for what other people may be going through, like understanding when someone is freaking out on you, it might not just be that they're a terrible person. It, there <laughs> might be something, mm -hmm. yeah. something happening there. So, like, I always try to figure, well, if I can be two of those things in any given day at work, that would be good. To do all, be all three of those things in the same day, Hard to do, but a very worthwhile goal. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, Liz, I have had, I have trouble with all three of those things at work. You, I feel, often I feel weak. I, I'm wearing a t-shirt right now that says hysterical female, and it's because I do, <laughs> I can get hysterical, and I can get very snappy and unkind. So I think this is going to oh. have to go on my whiteboard, because like, it, <laughs> totally encapsulates what I want to be. And I'm sometimes I'm those things, but I very often I'm not. And it does leave me with such a bad feeling at the end of the day if I don't do those things. Elizabeth has like she has like a mantra. It's a fun job and I enjoy it over like actually in a sign in her office. Do you do something with strong, calm and kind? Like, do you repeat <laughs> it? Is it your password on your I phone? Do. Like, how do you I keep do. it in I mind? It is kind of my silent um, prayer to myself. <laughs> if I feel like I'm in a work situation yeah. where I'm going to lose it, you know, because we all lose it or all, we're all tempted to lose it at times. I just like it's my own silent thing that I will repeat to myself just to try to maintain my composure. And you know where I learned it? I want to give full credit because I did not mm. make this up. The On Satellite Sisters, for years, we had a regular guest who was our envoy of civility. Mm. And 
his name is <laughs> Dr. P.M. Forney, and he was a professor at Johns Hopkins of like Italian literature or something fantastic. But he also had written these books about civility and the rules of civility. So we talk about that a lot on Satellite Sisters. And one time I asked him for what is his definition of civility, and his definition was strong, calm, and kind. Mm. Except he had it in a different order. He had strong last. Me personally mm. at work, I put strong first. That's, so that was my one. Mm. But it's really just that. a definition of civility, which, come on, that's really what we all need to be working on. Well, it reminds me, I had a boss once who said to me, when she was giving me advice when I was going to get a big promotion, she said, be polite and be fair. And um, mm. that's, I think that's a kind of a different way of getting at the same thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Elizabeth, though, can I just say, because I know you're working on your pilot now and all of that. Yeah. I mean, your workplace is a very uncommon kind of workplace because it's people that come together for a short project and it's creative and it's intense. And I can see how it would be a, you know, a really challenging thing to be all three of those things <laughs> at the same yeah. time on this kind of high stakes, short term creative project. Like if you could be one of those things in a day, you should give <laughs> right. yourself. What do you guys say? Okay. A gold star. Gold star. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll just settle for calm at least. Yeah. Well, and, and Sometimes then, that's all we can do. And then Liz, like on the flip side, what do you think are some of the most common reasons people are unhappy at work? Do you think it's when those three things are not in evidence, like to the extreme or like what, why are people unhappy think- at work? I think the main reason people are unhappy is a lack of control over their circumstances. And, you know, and and that can be that they don't understand what their job is because they have like a boss who isn't that good at explaining it or the business is changing or whatever. Or, you know, like Daniel Pink, who writes all these great books about business culture. He always talks about the three things you need at work are uh, mastery, autonomy, and purpose. And mm. I think that's absolutely 100% correct. Mastery, you need to be learning something, feel like you're good at it. Autonomy, you're not being micromanaged and just pecked to death by some committee. And purpose, that there's mm. some larger meaning to what you do. And it doesn't need to be meaning in the universe. It just means you work on a team and you feel like you are making a contribution to the team. So I feel like when those three things are not there and you have like, no control over your environment. Yeah. That's what makes people the most unhappy. Yeah. Mm, that's fascinating. I think that's true when it's the, when you feel like you're saying like a committee is coming at you, it is the worst feeling. Yes. Yeah. And also we get a lot of, we get a lot of calls that safe for work for people that are kind of at that first point in their career where they may be becoming a boss for the first time. That mm. is, an incredibly hard shift to make, I think, in any workplace from being one of the kids to actually being a leader. And that is super unsettling. On the one hand, you're very proud and, you know, you're getting more authority and you got promoted. On the other hand, you, you've got like full-blown imposter syndrome. <laughs> you just have no idea what you're doing. And, you know, so we just try to talk people down from that freak out that comes from your first boss <laughs> opportunity and give them a little bit, some of the tools you need to fake it till you make it. Now, Liz, we talk a lot about the four tendencies on this show, a polder, questioner, obliger, or rebel. So reveal to us your tendency. I am a rebel. Yeah. I was... At first, I was surprised when I when I took your quiz 
Gretchen, and I realized that about myself. I thought, well, you know, how could I be a rebel if I've had all these, like, big leadership jobs. positions yeah. in big companies and things? I thought maybe those two things didn't go together. But then I thought about it, and I realized... I've always chosen kind of a, an unconventional path. Mm. I've gone in and out of these conventional jobs. And I just like to, like, make stuff up and do it my way. Mm-hmm. So is that mm. what a rebel is? <laughs> yeah, well, and I... Mm-hmm. I love hearing about careers like yours where because I th- because a lot of times like with parents who have rebel children, they'll often say to me something like, well, can they be could they be a success like in, a, in any kind of conventional way? And it's like rebels can do anything they want to do. They can do anything they choose to do. If they're like, this sounds like an amazing opportunity. I would love to do, go to this gigantic company and have a huge reach and being then yeah absolutely they can and so um yeah it's just this idea like i'm going to do it my way and like you can't tell me what to do that's that's rebel yeah. i yeah i think that's i think that's the way i've been i worked for a long time at nike as you know yeah. and I, I ran marketing at nike and so i think there i was also matched kind of that was the personality of the whole company that yeah we so i was just gonna, gonna say yeah yeah but then when I left there, you know, I had been there for, you know, a decade and I just I went in and I resigned on my 40th birthday because I wanted to go create what became Satellite Sisters. There you go. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. I just thought, OK, I'm done here. Thank you. I love you guys. This was fantastic. But now I have this other wildly different thing I want right. to go try. And so my business career has been a series of shifts like that, in and out of conventional jobs to Mm -hmm. much less conventional kinds of things. Now, looking back, Liz, is there an aspect of your career you might have approached differently, knowing what you know now, since you're kind of an expert on work? Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know that anyone is an expert on work, except that (laughs) it works for you. (laughs) I think I've gotten better. I think I've gotten better and better at what works for me. Here's the one thing I, I think I've learned that I, that I would say now. Earlier in my career, I feel, like I, I feel like I edited myself more. I feel like I would sit in a room and kind of try to read the room and, and figure out, like, okay, where are we going? And I was hesitant about expressing my true thoughts. And so what I would say to that person is don't do that. The, the best thing you can do in most workplace environments, unless it's wildly dysfunctional, is to say what you really think. And because you're just as smart as everyone else, probably, maybe even smarter. Oh, or certainly no, not everyone is better than you. And so I think early in your career, you have that fear that like, oh, well, everyone else must know what they're doing, but I don't. <laughs> and you realize don't you, as you go through life, that no, nobody has any idea what they're doing. So you might as well just like jump in with what you really think. <laughs> that would be my number Absolutely. one. That would be my number one lesson. Yeah, and related to that, we ask every every um, guest if they have a try this at home tip. In, sort of in, in the same lines, do you have a try this at home tip or oh, yeah. a try this at work tip? Here's my try this at work tip. It is um, never assume motive. Ooh. Um, and, and by that, I mean, like, if you're at work and something is going wrong and you just think this person hates you and they're trying to undermine you, or this person is just, like, not good at their job and that's why it's going wildly wrong, don't ever assume that. Like, yeah. really make the effort yeah. to 
talk to the person, figure out what's really going on. Chances are it's not nearly as nefarious as you think, <laughs> or, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, not yeah. some, it's not some conspiracy. So that's what I would say. Give everyone the, be- the honest benefit of the doubt and try to figure out what's really happening with that person. Chances right. are you can work it out. Right, and a lot of times you think that you're at the centerpiece of what someone's doing, whereas, in fact, you're sort of collateral to some other thing that's going on, and they're not even thinking about how it might be blowing back on you. So... Oh, my God. A hundred percent. A hundred percent, Gretchen. I think that's probably the most common response you get when you really dig into what is happening here. They're like, oh, I had no idea. Uh, No, I wasn't thinking about you at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Liz, thank you so much. It's so fun to talk to you. We love Safe for Work. And of course, the Satellite Sisters is, Lena, we love sisters talking. So um, we're huge fans of that. Um, So thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. This Thanks, is a full Liz. mutual admiration society. Yeah. <laughs> I love happier and happier in Hollywood. So good luck with your pilot, Elizabeth. We're rooting for oh, you. Oh, Thanks, Liz. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay. Good Thanks, you guys. To you. Bye. 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 So Elizabeth, um, talking to Liz reminded me, her Try This at Home about Never Assume Motive reminded me of this scene from Game of Thrones. Um, where Littlefinger is giving Sansa the very opposite advice from what Liz suggests. <laughs> um, and if anyone watches Game of Thrones, you know what happens to him. Sometimes, when I try to understand a person's motives, I play a little game. I assume the worst. What's the worst reason they could possibly have for saying what they say and doing what they do? Then I ask myself, How well does that reason explain what they say and what they do? Ooh, well, in Game of Thrones, I think it's safe to say everyone does have the worst motive, but hopefully in most of our workplaces, that's not the case, as Liz says. Yes. Coming up, Gretchen gives herself a happiness demerit related to her new book. First, this break. Okay, Gretch, it is time for demerits and gold stars. And this week you're up with a happiness demerit. What have you done to that is not good for your happiness this week? <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of the workplace and happiness, my workplace is really just my head in front of my laptop. But <laughs> um, I do have something that I did. And the funny thing about this demerit is that I, I have such a pattern of this demerit. And I know that I have this pattern and yet I fall into it every time, which is, when I get edits on something I'm doing, like I, I gave my draft of Outer Order Inner Calm to my editor, she came back with sort of the first layer of edits, not like a line edit, which she will give to me eventually, but just sort of like the big things, like big picture mm. things she thought I should work on before she really went, I should incorporate before she went through it more closely. And I did the thing that I always do, which is mm. my first response is to say, you're wrong, I'm right, this is unacceptable, I cannot possibly do this. <laughs> You totally missed the whole point here. This is going to completely derange my vision of my project. Mm -hmm. This lasts for like 10 minutes, and then I start talking my way out of it. And then by the end, I'm like, you know what? I really see your point. I think I can see my way to do it. And it's to the point where I will tell people that I work with more than once, like, I will always resist you and tell you that I can't do it, but just let me talk my way through it and just laugh at me. Mm. But it's still a huge waste of energy, and I'm sure it's very, it's not any fun for them to hear all this, like, negative pushback. And I know that I'm doing it. That's the weird thing. Like... But every time when it happens, I'm like, no, this time is different. This is completely legitimate. 
Um, this is like nothing that's ever happened to me before. I can't possibly listen to this. Um, and it feels real every time. And then I talk my way out of it every time. So it's just this weird So pattern. my question is, this is a conversation. It's not a letter you get? No, see, if I get it in written form, it's much better. Because then I go through all this in my head and talk myself through it mm. without. But often, you know, with certain things at certain stages, it just doesn't. It's just so much quicker and easier for them to talk by phone yeah. or in person. Yeah. But that's a good point. Maybe I should try to steer things to saying, if you could do this by email, uh, that helps me process it better or something like that. Or could you even take a break? Like, so they call and say, here are my thoughts, this, that, and the other thing. Could you say, okay, oh, you know what? Let me call you back in 15 minutes. Um, I could actually... for you to process. <laughs> I could actually probably do that because now I've worked with people more than once. So I could just say, like, you know how it gets. Like, just let, let's just schedule in a little break and let me think through. Because it's hard. I mean, that's one of the things, like, I don't think that fast and when people tell me something big that I yeah. have to take in, it's like I resist it naturally. But I think a part of it is just like I'm just I don't have the processing capacity to handle it in the moment. So maybe that's a good idea now that because it is a very clear pattern. So why not build the circumstance to account for that? That's a really good suggestion. In TV, we call that um, we just say we'll take a look at it. That's the thing because mm. if you have an immediate reaction mm. to hating what they're saying, you yeah. know, let us take a look at it because it's possible that the note isn't a note you want to do, but it's very possible it is a yes. good note and you just have to digest it and process it. So that's how we handle that. That's a great. For, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that because it's because it also it's acknowledging like I understand like I'm going to think through this. Yes. I'm not. Yes. I'm not. Yeah. I'm going to do that. That's OK. Now I have. Oh, I have the perfect thing to say. I'll take a look at that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I will look. I will take a look at that. OK. Yeah. And you, we may say that 10 times. So <laughs> 10, you know, different, different notes. So. I may get a T-shirt with that on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. OK. For, now, Gold Star, you get a gold star for giving me the solution to my, my nagging demerit problem. Oh, but um, yeah, I think you have another gold star, too. What's that? Yeah, I want to give a gold star to a podcast that I've been loving. Um, you know, we always love finding new podcasts. And it's called This is 50 with Sherry and Nancy. And although I'm not yet 50 years old, I still like listening to a, um, a show by two women who are in their 50s. And it's Sherry Salada and Nancy Halla. And they're rebranding and redefining the middle of life. And Sherry Salata was Oprah Winfrey's executive producer for years and years. She was executive producer of the Oprah Winfrey show. And Nancy's a high-powered businesswoman. And as they're in their 50s, they're basically saying, okay, I've done all this in my life. What do I want now? And they're sort of going together on a journey of, um, you know, really just enhancing their lives and redefining who they want to be as they, um, you know, as they go through their 50s. And it's just a very fun, informative show. And they, um, you know, they're very real and relatable. Um, and I just love listening to it and listening to their journey. So I highly recommend it. Um, if people like our show, I think they'll enjoy uh, yeah. This is 50. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Great suggestion for people who are looking for po more podcasts to listen to. Yes. Uh, people are always asking us for podcast recommendations. They're like, and um, here's one. Here's one. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Have a power down weekend. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you.
Speaking of amazing podcasts that everyone should listen to, thank you to our guest, Liz Dolan. She is one of our favorite podcasters. Listen to her on her podcast, Safe for Work or Satellite Sisters. Thank you to our producer, Odelia Rubin. Thank you to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, as always, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us however you listen to your podcast. The resources for this week, I wanted to just mention again about that video course that I'm going to be launching. To put your name on the wait list and to get all the information, you can go to courses.gretchenrubin.com and you'll be kept up to date and get the uh, early bird discount if you want that. And also, if you want to sign up to be a super fan, every once in a while people are like, I just want to be a super fan and I love that. So I will send emails to the super fans with sort of bonus content or like a little preview of something that's coming up or ask for a little favor, nothing too onerous. And you can just email me and I'll put a sign up link in the show notes if you would like to sign up to be a super fan. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. <laughs>